Life Audio. Hey friend, Heather Creekmore here. I'm glad you're listening to the Compared to Who show today. Today we're talking about rivalries. Do you have a rival? Were you always compared to your sister? Or do you always feel like you've been in competition with a cousin or a friend from high school? Maybe you're in a rivalry now. Maybe there's a woman at church that always seems to be comparing herself to you and you find yourself comparing yourself to her. We're talking about rivalries. There's a lot in the Bible on this topic, and that's where we're going today. So I'm glad you're here for it. Coaching is open. And hey, would you leave a review? If this podcast is blessing you, leave a review. That's how other people find the show. And I know there are women all over this world who need some body image freedom. So if you'd consider taking just a minute right now, press pause, go leave a review. You can either just leave five stars or click the write a review button and write some words about what you think this podcast has done for you or what you've appreciated about this podcast. Oh, that would bless me so much. So thanks for considering that. Hey, today's show is sponsored by Classical Conversations. So are you interested in homeschooling? I've been a homeschool mom for 10 years now. I never thought I would make it that long, to be honest. But Classical Conversations is really the reason why I have been able to endure. Classical Conversations equips parents with a proven curriculum and support from a local community of homeschool families, all walking the same path together. You, mom, are their first teacher, so you can be their best teacher, and Classical Conversations can help you do that. Learn more about how to make homeschooling doable at classicalconversations.com backslash compared to who. That's classicalconversations.com backslash compared to who. I hope you'll check it out. Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compared to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey friends, so today we are talking about rivalries. What an interesting word. We don't really use that word very much, except for maybe when it comes to sisters or siblings. We say there's a sibling rivalry, but I don't feel like we that's a common part of our vernacular. So I decided to look it up. What is a rival? And the definition, according to old Google, is a rival is a person or thing competing with another for the same objective or for superiority in the same field of activity. And what's interesting is when I talk to coaching clients, a lot of times the rivalries that I hear about are rivalries between a sister or a cousin or a friend where a parent is, or a grandparent or an aunt is pointing out which one is thinner or which one is prettier. 
and maybe even creating the rivalry by saying things like, oh, if only you were as thin as your cousin June, or if only you were as pretty as your cousin, or whatever. And the rivalry begins. Now, some of you just straight up had siblings that just told you that they were in a rivalry with you, or maybe even weren't nice about it. Like, come on, we're competing. Uh, who's, who's the best? I'm better than you. Uh, you know, try and keep up those kinds of things. But the word stuck out to me because I was reading my Bible. I'm in a Bible reading plan. I read through the Bible every year. And the part of my plan I was at was in the book of First Samuel, and it's the story of Hannah. I'm going to start reading to you from First Samuel 1, verses 3, but no one says this man. It's talking about Hannah's husband, whose name was Elkanah. And you need to know that Hannah was one of two wives of Elkanah. His other wife's name was Peninnah. So here's how it goes. Every year, this man went from his hometown up to Shiloh to worship and offer a sacrifice to the God of angel armies. Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, served as the priests of God there. When Elkanah sacrificed, he passed helpings from the sacrificial meal around to his wife, Peninnah, and all her children. But he always gave an especially generous helping to Hannah because he loved her so much and because God had not given her children. But her rival wife taunted her cruelly, rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children. This went on year after year. Every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. Hannah was reduced to tears and had no appetite. Her husband, Elkanah, said, Oh, Hannah, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? Why are you so upset? Am I not of more worth to you than ten sons? So Hannah ate. Then she pulled herself together, slipped away quietly, and entered the sanctuary. The priest Eli was on duty at the entrance of God's temple in the customary seat. Crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried inconsolably. Then she made a vow. O God of angel armies, if you'll take a good hard look at my pain, if you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I'll give him completely unreservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. And so happened as she continued in prayer before God, Eli was watching her closely. Hannah was praying in her heart silently. Her lips moved, but no sound was heard. Eli jumped to the conclusion that she was drunk. He approached her and said, you're drunk. How long do you plan to keep this up? Sober up, woman. Hannah said, oh, no, sir, please. I'm a woman broken hearted. I haven't been drinking, not a drop of wine or beer. The only thing I've been pouring out is my heart pouring it out to God. Don't for a minute think I'm a bad woman. It's because I'm so desperately unhappy and in such pain that I've stayed here so long. So Hannah's prayer is a fairly famous one, might be a passage of scripture that you're familiar with. Hannah does indeed get pregnant and have a son who is Samuel, the great prophet, the prophet who identifies David as king and well, Saul as king first and then David. So Samuel has a pretty important role in history. And one could say that Hannah's prayer <laughs> helped uh, lead to that. So Hannah had her baby boy, and she kept her promise to God. She raised him for a couple years, nursed him, weaned him. And then when he was still a child, took him to Eli the priest and let him be raised with the priest um, 
in preparation to really be in the ministry. And as you could tell, I think this is the message translation or message paraphrase that I was reading from. So the scripture sounds a little bit more friendly, a little bit more familiar, right? But I think you, you get the concept that Hannah was in pain. Hannah was being taunted. Hannah had a rival wife. Interesting. Now, this isn't the first time this has happened in scripture, right? You probably know the story of Rachel and Leah, where we kind of had the same situation. Rachel was the loved wife who didn't have any children. And Leah was the unloved one who kept having baby after baby after baby. But what's interesting about the difference between Rachel and Leah and the Hannah and Peninnah situation is that Rachel was mad that she wasn't having children, right? She was competing with Leah, but Leah was the one who was praying to God, at least through Genesis 29 and 30, you can see. It's Leah that is praying, and we we get this through the way she names her sons. She names each son things like, you know, now my husband will see me. Now my husband will hear me. Now my husband will love me. And then when she has her fourth boy, Judah, she says, now I will praise the Lord. And she kind of understands that no amount of boys she can have, even though that was kind of the collateral of the day, no amount of boys that she can have will turn Jacob's heart towards her. Jacob loves Rachel and she is going to just give it all to the Lord and and worship him and stop looking for that from her husband. Well, here it's kind of different, right? It's it's Hannah, the barren one that is seeking out the Lord, and it's Hannah that is handling her rivalry Maybe in the same way Leah did. Now, you know, Leah had a little moment of weakness <laughs> in Genesis, right? Where there was this little fight over mandrakes because apparently Jacob was sleeping with Rachel more than he was sleeping with Leah at some point. And so Leah has her son um, trade mandrakes so that, that Leah can sleep with Jacob and so she can get pregnant again. It's all just... <laughs> Really interesting thing for those of us in, in this culture in this day and age, right? Uh, to trade a night with your husband for mandrakes, which is a fruit. Um, but but what I want you to notice, right, is is one of the rivals kind of has to drop out of the rivalry in order for a rivalry to stop, right? A rivalry will continue as long as there are two people competing with each other. But when one drops out, the rivalry is over. So in Rachel and Leah's case, Leah had to drop out. In Hannah and Peninnah's case, Hannah had to drop out. So I've got three points for you today on this whole concept of rivalries. If you're in a rivalry, I think these will be helpful for you. Um, You know, friends, your, your kids might be in a rivalry, right? They might not even know they're in a rivalry, but there might be some kid at school that's always being mean to them. And maybe the reason why they're being mean to them is because they've set up a rivalry with them. Or maybe straight up, your kid knows she's trying to be like the popular girl, or maybe she is the popular girl. Or maybe it's a family member. Maybe as you hear this, you're like, oh, yes, I have two daughters. This is our family. Or yes, my daughter and her cousin. Or maybe it's you. Maybe you're in the rivalry. Like this really weird thing can happen as we daughters become adults 
where mom and daughter can kind of start to compete. And especially like in the dieting world, mom can be like, I lost this much weight and daughter feels pressure. Like mom wants me to lose weight. It's all kinds of weird stuff that can go on. We're going to tackle it all right after this message. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, so what do you do if you have a rival? I think lesson one from Hannah, and the number one thing you have to do, even from Leah too, is you have to pray. You are not going to beat the rival by trying to beat the rival. You will never be able to do enough to prove to the rival that you are enough. If it's you and your mom battling it out over who can keep their weight down, guess what? Friends, that that can go on till mom is 90 and you're 70, right? It's never going to end that way. It's not a healthy relationship for you two to be in. Stop trying to beat the rival and instead go to God in prayer. Admit the rivalry in the relationship. And you might not be the instigator. You might be the innocent victim like Hannah was, like Leah was to some degree, right? But go to God and tell him that it hurts. Tell him the desire of your heart. Tell him that you don't want to be competing in this way. Pour it all out to him, just like Hannah did. Now, if you're going to make a vow like Hannah did, I want you to keep it. Okay, that's an important thing. Vows vows are tricky business, right? Most of the vows we make to ourselves are not good. And vows made to God, we have to keep, right? So, so if you're going to go so far as to make a vow, then, you know, watch out there. But just know that God is the source of your hope and your strength in getting out of this rivalry. You do not have to prove yourself to your rival. You do not have to win in the rivalry because there is no winning. It will not happen. So number one thing to do if you have a rival is pray. Number two thing to do is to drop out of the rivalry. Okay, like I said earlier, it takes two people to have a rivalry. So if you drop out, rivalry is over. Now, why should you drop out? This is what's vitally important to understand. Rivalries are sin. Yikes! But follow me here, friends. Look at Galatians 5, 19 to 21. I'll read from the ESV. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. You ready for it? Rivalries, 
dissensions, divisions, envy, that kind of comes with rivalries, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Drop out of your rivalry because it's sin. Here's another one, James 3.16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Guess what? We're in a rivalry. A lot of times there's selfish ambition. We want to win the rivalry. We don't really care about loving the other person. Well, we want to beat them. (laughs) And if we're not beating them, we may be jealous or we may be envious, right? These are two passages that clearly tell us that rivalries are sinful And some of y'all are stressing about whether or not you're gluttons. You're super worried about gluttony, which, by the way, isn't even in these New Testament sins lists. Okay, I think we've gotten it all wrong on gluttony. And I'm going to do a whole episode on that later. So stop stressing about gluttony and start stressing about rivalry. Actually, don't start stressing about it. Start being aware of it. Pray and drop out of the rivalry. And let me add another caveat here. Your rivalry might be known, but it may also just be this secret comparison that you do in your heart that has created a rivalry. And it might just be one-sided, right? It takes two to have a rivalry because you have to have someone in mind. Um, but, but you could be in an imaginary rivalry in your brain with someone who doesn't even know they're in a rivalry with you. Friends, we got to stop comparing and start living. We've got to drop out of these rivalries because of the envy, because of the jealousy, because of the idolatry. Yes, I said idolatry. You want to take it to an even stranger place? What if your rival is the old you? Or what if your rival is the ideal you? I talk all about this in my book, The Burden of Better. It's everyone's favorite chapter of the book. But I talk about how the ideal us is really just an idol of us. And it keeps us competing and comparing ourselves to this imaginary ideal. We're in this fake rivalry with strangely fake envy towards someone or some idea that doesn't even really exist. And we stay stuck there. Friends, it's a trap. And it is sucking the life out of us. Here's another one. Romans 13, 13. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy often part of that rivalry. Here's another one, Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Stop trying to beat her and humble yourself and consider her as more important. Ouch, that seems weird, right? Oh, what kind of advice is the Bible giving us here? But seriously, friends, To drop out of the rivalry, we do have to humble ourselves. We do have to say, I'm not playing anymore. I'm not going to try to win this way. I I don't know that I can win this way because you can't, right? But I'm not going to try to win this way anymore. I am going to stop comparing myself to you because I know it's envy and I know it's jealousy and I know it could be covetousness and I know that's not good for me or for you or for our relationship And to segue into the last point for today, it does not help me love you well. 
But before we get into that last point, I want to just throw one more scripture at you. I did a whole episode of seven minutes of scripture on it. It's Colossians 3, 13 in the message paraphrase says something so profound. I'll read it to you. It says, be even tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. So obviously the main purpose of this passage is to remind us to forgive each other, to be even tempered. But right in the middle, I don't know if you've even heard me, a cruise right by it, there's this little phrase. It says, be content with second place. What if that became our life mantra? What if that became how we viewed others? I see you. I love you. Like God commands me to love you. And I'm going to be content that if you think we're in a rivalry of some sort, I'm going to be content with second place. I am dropping out. You win. I want you to win. I want the best for you. That's a radical way of approaching relationships. But it really ties in with, I think, what we're called to do as Christians. And that's point three. So point one was to pray. Point two is to drop out of the rivalry. And then point three is love better than your being loved. Okay, so Leon Festinger back in the 1950s coined this term of social comparison, where basically he said that it is natural for us to compare ourselves to others. We're just always going to do it. That's just kind of part of life. And it's the way we know how we're doing. And so Leon would almost say that there might be some health benefit to a rivalry, right? Like maybe that person at work that you're always competing with and comparing yourself to, maybe that person will actually help you be a better employee. They'll help you get better, right? Or or we do things like thinspiration or fitspiration, right? Where we like pick out a picture from a magazine and we stick it up somewhere and we we think that that picture will help motivate us to get better, which it's it's, it's idolatry. But these are ways that we fool ourselves into believing that comparing ourselves to other people and really in the fitspo or thinspo area, it's really idolizing um, and objectifying other people. So there's nothing healthy about it at all. But what we believe that through this comparison, we are doing something healthy and good for ourselves. But what we are doing through comparison is we are actually fracturing relationships. We are tearing down our relationships with others. In comparison, right, there's only two outcomes. You can either come out prideful, I am better than you, I'm winning, or you can come out losing. Like, oh, I suck because I'm not as good as you. You're better than I am. I'm going to have to do everything I can to improve, right? Comparison is not healthy. And beyond that, comparison is not how God wants us to relate to each other. So look at 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8. This is the ESV. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. We are called to love God and to love others. We are not allowed as believers, as people who say we follow Christ, we're not allowed to behave any other way. And if you have a sibling rivalry, understand, especially if it's a sibling within the church, because we're all sisters in Christ, right? So maybe you don't actually have a sister, but if you're comparing yourself to someone at church or you're in a rivalry with another Christian woman, understand that we are called to treat our brothers and sisters in Christ in a specific way. We are to love them. 
So stop comparing and start loving. Be the one who loves better than you're being loved. Maybe she'll keep comparing herself to you. Maybe there's nothing you can do to stop her from making snarky remarks about what you eat or what you're wearing. Maybe you just feel that, uh, oh, I, I can't even put words to it. It's like you, and someone's comparing themselves to you all the time. You feel it, right? They, they just, the way they say things or the way they look at you, right? It just feels yucky, but rise above my friend. Like Hannah, pour your heart out to God. Be honest about the ways it hurts, but know that you can take the high road here. Love better than you're being loved. Refuse to compare. Refuse to be rivals. I hope that's encouraged you today. I thank you for listening. I hope something's helped you stop comparing and start living because that's what this episode was all about. (laughs) So thanks for being here. Don't forget, drop us a review. Uh, That really helps other people find the show. So drop a review if this episode spoke to you. And hey, Compared to Who is a proud part of the Life Audio Network. Go check out lifeaudio.com for more great Christian podcasts. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.